Welcome to the Her First Podcast, a platform to help online business owners, coaches, and creators gain the confidence needed to build a successful business while creating a sustainable lifestyle balance. We are here to help you prioritize yourself in business and life. Are you familiar with human design? Now, I'm sure that you've heard of it, even if you don't know exactly what it is. Today, our guest, Heather Vickery, is going to give us the background on human design. She's going to read mine and Joanna's charts. And along with that, we're going to chat about why coming out of the closet was an act of putting herself first, how entrepreneurship is challenging as a mother of four, and why there's nothing about you that needs to be fixed. As a transformational success coach and mentor, here to help you come home to yourself, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Really looking forward to this conversation today. So in preparation for this interview, you actually mentioned that working for others didn't go so well for you, which I think sometimes we can all relate to. So could you share with us some of your realizations that really made you understand why you were meant to be an entrepreneur? Hi, thank you guys for having me. It's so nice to be here. Going right in on the hard question. And I wish that I had a concrete answer that could just really light everybody up. It just became very apparent to me early, early in my career, right out of college, that while I worked well with people, I didn't work well for people. And I suppose if I'm taking that apart, the awareness was I wanted to make my own schedule. I don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> All of those type A things. And uh, I just believed in my ability to create something for myself that would thrive and was sustainable. And somehow I got really lucky because I had whatever that, you know, thread or bone or whatever it is in your body that was like, well, screw it. We can just try it. What's the worst thing that could happen? And while I face all sorts of fears, that one I was willing to just jump into. I've never looked back. It's been almost 25 years I've been an entrepreneur. We have an episode we released a couple weeks ago. I forget exactly how long about leaving like the corporate world to become an entrepreneur, right? Leaving that nine to five and being an entrepreneur. That's something I recently did in my journey. Congrats. Thank you. So <laughs> I've been working for myself 100% since March. Um, so it really hasn't been that long. And one of the things we talk about is some of the factors for me where I like how I knew and it, I think it kind of also shows some of the things of how you know you wouldn't be a good entrepreneur. <laughs> things like, can you self-motivate? Like, can you get up and do work every day if nobody is giving you that task list, right? That's one of the things that I think is clear that you need to have to be an entrepreneur. You've got to be a little get up and go. But it's interesting that you say that because when we look at human design, and I know we're not there yet, but I will say it's related. Some of you and you two happen to be in this category, have that motor, that natural inclination to be organized, to get up and to do. And some of us, <clears throat> me, do not naturally have that. And yet I have still been able to do this. So I, I will always push back on, um, you have to be super organized or you have to be, you have to work all the time or, you know, that hustle, not that you said that, but that hustle mentality. What you have to do is understand yourself and what works best for you and use that to your advantage in order to be a successful entrepreneur. And I really just want to remind everybody that your entrepreneurship journey does not have to look like your mentor's journeys. You want to create your own. That's one thing I'm really trying to understand as I evolve through this journey of entrepreneurship and I think 
from the beginning, I always felt like I needed to look at those people who were successful and Mm -hmm. replicate what it is that they did. Although you can learn from others' experiences, you cannot copy and paste them onto your own and just expect Mm -hmm. the same results. That's something that I'm really, really trying to lean into and own as an individual and as someone who can bring, you know, a unique voice to whatever it is that I'm doing as we each do and not try to be a replication of anyone else's path in entrepreneurship and that journey. So your entrepreneurship journey is a little bit mixed. You didn't always start out in human design and coaching. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background and kind of where you started in business ownership? Yeah, absolutely. And I will just say before I go into that, that you are 100% right. The thing is, you can't copy, paste, repeat somebody else's journey because you're not them and your journey is different. And so as far as my journey goes, when I was in the workforce, I was doing nonprofit events. I opened a couple of hotels. Events was my background. And I even did that in in college. So I started as a luxury event and wedding planner and built a business. I When I look back at that sincerely and go, This was before, you guys, this was before the internet was the internet. Like if we wanted to meet strangers, we were in like a random Yahoo chat center or something. Like we didn't even do that. I'm older than MySpace, right? We did not, that was not a thing. So I built a thriving luxury, one of Chicago's premier event and wedding businesses without social media. I don't know how I did that. I did it though. I get, you know, you show, you show up, you do the thing. And while I loved that work, it wasn't my life's work. It's not what lit me up. And I have to be honest, right? You know, tip your planners, tip your servers. That is a thankless job. It is a difficult job and it's physically exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. And about a decade ago when I was transforming my entire life, coming to the closet, getting a divorce after a decade of marriage and four kids uh, and like, okay, I'm 38. Who do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want? I noticed that other people saw me as a coach long before I did. They were stopping me, texting me, emailing me, calling me. I want to do this. I want to try this. I want to start this. I think you can help. Will you talk to me? I think you can help. Now that I have language, and it does go back to human design, and I only learned that language a couple of years ago, what they were doing was inviting me in. And as a projector, that's what I need. I'm like, oh, somebody sees me. They recognize something in me let me give them everything. And I I decided to just try it. And I really did cut my teeth on that events industry. And they were wonderful to me. They brought me in to speak at their conferences and to coach their teams and to do all of this stuff. And they said, yes, yes, Heather, this is it. This is the thing that you should be doing. And then I just moved into it. And it has evolved and transformed in the last decade because, you know, change is the only constant, right? Like, It's not ever going to be exactly what it was in the beginning because we change and what we need changes and what we want changes and who we serve changes. Everybody's different all the time. So it's constantly evolving. But yeah, that was that was my journey. And it's um, it's wild to look back and think about it. I love the thread of like transformation that Mm -hmm. you just shared. And I would imagine for you, those transformations aren't the end, right? You're likely going to continue to evolve and change what you do and your business over time and not just be stuck in one thing, one vein. The work that I do, you said come home to yourself, is about that. It's about belonging to yourself, building a foundation of self-trust, worthiness, confidence, intuition from inside, growing that inside of you and then showing up. 
in the world instead of showing up and hoping you can find your answers outside. And that work never stops because we are always evolving, because what we are experiencing, what life is throwing at us, all of those surprises, we achieve those dreams and then we face the same bullshit stories over and over and over again. Um, right. So they come back. And so you might think, oh, I've tackled that. I don't have that problem anymore. Well, you don't in that situation, but it's probably going to show up again in another one. And so this work is just ever evolving with you. And that is the core of what I help people do is learn to like, love and trust themselves at each new phase so they can come home to themselves and belong to themselves first. Finding that internally first. And I think that we so often, especially in the online space, especially in business ownership, when comparison is rife and easy, all of the concepts that you talked about, self-worth, confidence, really not doubting yourself and really trusting that intuition, turning inward and finding that value and uncovering it within yourself as opposed to looking externally at that validation is so much a part of what we talk about on the Her First podcast and what we're trying to each, I think, uncover for ourselves. It's not a done deal. It's not like you wake up tomorrow and you're like, oh, I feel worthy and good and I'm always going to be this confident. No, like we face challenges. We face setbacks. We face these things that are out of our control in our lives and they become a part of our story. And it's something that we have to learn to navigate and just continue to reflect and turn back inward and rediscover ourselves. And through that process, hopefully then as we move out into the world, that's reflected, right? Other people receive that. And the way that you came to coaching is not just by happenstance, but really through listening, through paying attention to what people were wanting from you, needing from you, asking from you, and being able to respond accordingly to that. And I think that we're so naturally called to certain things and sometimes we push them down or say, oh, I could never do that. Or, oh, that's not something that I've studied before. I'm not certified in that. But as someone getting started, we think, oh, I have to be here right? I have to be at this place that I imagine for myself, the vision of where I'm headed. I have to be there right now. But your evolution, it was a journey. You know, starting in the event and wedding industry space is very different from coaching. And obviously there are parallels and obviously you bring experience to the table with that. But I think we get so stuck on if I'm not there right now, then I'm not living my full purpose. Thinking of the wedding and event industry. Now, I know that's incredibly demanding. I know coaching is a little less demanding in terms of time and energy and everything else where you're not schlepping stuff and managing all these different things. But business ownership really has its own difficulties. And in preparation for this interview, we really talked about some of the challenges that you faced along the way being a woman in business. So can you tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey as a female identified person and some of the challenges that have come up for you. There are all sorts of challenges, but there are going to be challenges in whatever field you're in, whatever industry you're in, whether you work for yourself or you work for somebody else. Challenges are just a thing that happen. Some of the ones, though, that I didn't expect, I think, evolve and revolve around the idea of being a good woman being a responsible woman, being a responsible parent. If you are married and have a partner who brings in, you know, a regular corporate paycheck, you don't often get checked in this way socially. Like, oh, well, gosh, aren't you being selfish? But as a sole provider for my kids, because they have a co-parent 
he's a very involved, supportive parent, but I pay all my own bills, right? Nobody helps me pay my bills. I do all of that myself. And some of my children have recently told me that they feel like I didn't put them first because um, I didn't get a quote unquote real job, that I don't have something super quote unquote sustainable or that my hobby is my job. And I was like, wow, you can't imagine how painful and hurtful it is to hear you say that. And to be fair, I don't know that that's young kid language. So we can just drop that right there. Uh, when you hear that from somebody else. But I do think it's this understanding, this cultural idea that we have to sacrifice ourselves all the time for everyone else. To be a good woman or a good mother, you have to put everybody else's needs first. And I just wholeheartedly call bullshit on that in every possible way. Yes, sometimes entrepreneurship is feast or famine. It's up and down. I would say that most people experience that until you get to a certain level where the famine part is still higher than what your feast used to be, right? Um, and so it's kind of ebbs and flows. And I had to sit with that for a long time. Like, what? how did I feel about hearing that? Did that change me? Did I want, did I need to go out and get a corporate job? Nope, I don't need to do that because I have a purpose. I have a message, I change people's lives, and my business allows me to be a hands-on, active, involved parent. It means somebody spills chocolate milk on their sweatshirt, I can go down and bring a new set of clothes to school. It means if we have a day off, I can rearrange my schedule and hang out. It means I can go on field trip, I can drive you to school, I can pick you up from school, I can do those things, I chose those things. Not everybody does, not every entrepreneur parent chooses that. Sometimes you still have childcare. Whatever you want to do, that's the whole point in feminism, right? Whatever you want to do gets to be okay for you and stop telling everybody else what to do. But that struggle, and I think within my family, my family doesn't understand what I do now. I'm about to turn 49. They at least have some respect, like, because I've been doing this for a long time. They don't really understand it, and, and they don't know how I pay my bills. But when I was younger, yeah, there was a lot of pushback about whether or not it was sustainable. Everybody wanted to tell me what I should be doing or how I should be doing it. And I'm not here for that. Yeah. Whenever you do something outside of the norm or outside what people expect for you or for your gender or for where you live or whatever it is, you get insane pushback. Like I'm a mom um, and I, I have a child and sometimes every once in a while I get in my head like, am I doing the right thing, being focused on my career and all of those things? Like, what will my daughter think? And then I know also that there are statistics that talk about girls with working moms and how they, on average, tend to earn more in their lifetime later down the road because they likely see the value in work. And I also think about my mom who put and sacrificed everything for taking care of her children and is now in a place where she doesn't know what to do with herself. We're all grown up. You know what I mean? Like one day my, my daughter's going to be older and moving on with her life. I still need a life and I need those things in my life. And I know that. And then what's funny on the flip side, I've definitely relate to you with people like questioning what you're doing and why you're, you're doing it. On top of that, my husband is a stay-at-home dad. This is something we've talked a little bit about on the podcast. It's amazing. He's amazing. He loves doing it. It started out of necessity. He like had a job he hated. I was finishing up my maternity leave. 
We didn't know what we were doing for childcare. And I was like, you hate your job. Just quit. Don't keep going to that job you hate. Quit. We'll figure it out. And the plan, it was supposed to be short term. Well, it's been six years. <laughs> just kind of happened. It's totally working. And, and I actually know that, you know, my corporate income almost doubled in the time that I had a stay-at-home dad supporting me. And then I also was able to start a business while working full-time and quit that business. And it was only because of him, right? So that really makes you think about what stay-at-home moms do for their families. But then what's fascinating is he got lots of pushback. Of course he did, because men aren't supposed to do that. Men aren't supposed to do that. And what was funny is we knew someone who, the same time he chose to be a stay-at-home dad, she had chosen to be a stay-at-home mom and got together. And, you know, we ended up talking about this happening. And she said to him, well, what are you going to do all day? And I said, the same thing you're going to do all day. (laughs) It's so insidious. Like, I was outraged. Um, in that moment, because when you do something unexpected, people can't handle it. They just can't. Well, the idea that he would do the stay at home person's job, right? I actually am in the process. So I have a, a membership called the Spark Collective. And one of the benefits, one of the bonuses I gave to the group is a book discussion. We're reading a book called On Our Best Behavior by Elise Lunin cannot recommend it enough. It relates to this. So she actually breaks down the seven deadly sins and how they are the basis of patriarchy and how it's infiltrated everything. And I'm not religious at all. You do not have to be religious. But she talks about that and how it's so ingrained in our culture to expect these gender norms. And okay, you will, you guys will appreciate this. This morning, I was picking out a little love note to put in my 10-year-old's lunchbox. And they're mostly like cute and chipper and happy. And there was one that said, happy girls are the prettiest. That like hurts me. Yeah. I don't know if we're doing video with this or if it's just audio. No, there's video. Okay, because I'm like, you guys need to see the video of everybody's faces. And I thought, this is the the problem, right? This, This is the problem is that they... Whoever created the little packet of Lunchbox Love Notes was like, this will really cheer our girls on today. Just remember to always be happy and then you can be pretty and pretty has value and happy pretty girls are the only girls we want. And if you're not happy and pretty, you're broken, right? I was like, holy shit. And it related to we're talking about it in the book and all of that. And I told her, I was like, so let's talk about this. And she was like, yeah, that's dumb. And I'm like, yeah. And then there's the culture. And I'm certified in positive psychology. And I believe in positive psychology because I know that it works. I've seen the science behind it. I do choose happy most of the time. Sometimes I don't because we have to be honest about our feelings and go through those self-compassion stages. But I do choose a positive mindset. I do choose to focus on what is good instead of what is bad. But that doesn't intrinsically indicate my value. And it doesn't make me, quote unquote, pretty or attractive. It's just what works for me. One of the things that I've struggled with personally is identifying with this pretty, beautiful, gorgeous. You have to be attractive in order to have value, what you just talked about, Heather. And even though I'm not a mom, I don't struggle with the partnership and kids and the home care and all of those things, which I know is just another layer of difficulty. But the pressure of being a woman in our world today is inordinately high. And it is so much more undue stress on us in terms of how we look up. And, you know, we've 
talked about this a little bit before on the podcast, but the financial demand of needing to maintain a certain type of look, mm, right? The pink tax. Yep. Hair care, makeup, clothes, like all of those things that women are supposed to do or can do in some way to better care for themselves, it's very financially taxing and emotionally and mentally in terms of time. And we talk about the mental load, right, Joanna, from maintaining the household, taking care of the bill, dealing with childcare, whether that's doctor's visits or everything else that comes along with it. There's so much to what it is that we do that we don't give ourselves enough credit for and that not really that many other people give us credit for either, right? We're not really well recognized for that. So I empathize with both of where you are in being mothers and navigating that business ownership because again, it is just a whole other layer and it's difficult. And the pressure that we have in our society, it's not only not equitable, it's downright wrong. It's downright frustrating. Michelle, the the interesting thing about that is there's that flip side where if you choose not to have children, you are just as judged and just as held to account for what, what's wrong with you. I was at a conference last year and a, a woman in her maybe mid-40s said, I don't have children. I'm too selfish to have children. And everybody laughed because it's kind of funny. And then she was like, I don't know why you guys think that's funny. I don't want children because I don't want to sacrifice myself in the way that you have to to be a good parent, which is a true statement. And I'm kind of writing this boundary of how am I a really great present parent without constant self-sacrifice? I mean, to some degree, anytime you're in a relationship of any kind, there's got to be some sacrifice to make things work. But I'm not here to completely throw myself on the ground and sacrifice myself for my kids. And I don't think that that shows them anything. But the people who choose, especially women, who choose not to have kids, you get a whole different set of judgment and rules. And then, and then, and then you get older and you start to go through menopause. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at here, I'm like, oh boy, wow, it's really showing. Why do I fucking care? I, I don't want to care. I really want you guys to know that I don't want to care. And yet I do. You spend 10 minutes before you go on video, you're like, wait, is the lighting good? Is my makeup right? Do I have a waddle? Like, it's disgusting. And th that's the one vain thing that I'm having a hard time letting go of. And I'm thrilled to be aging. I like my older self so much better than I liked my younger self. But the physical changes are wild to navigate emotionally. And we're talking about entrepreneurs. It shows up. We're all online all the time, right? We're all on video, on camera and talking to people and networking. And you want to think people don't care what you look like, but they do. And you don't want to judge yourself, but you do. You can't help it. There's a certain level, and I go back and forth because I think there is a balance, right? Like we want to put our best selves forward. We want to be presenting a nicely coiffed type of person to some degree. And I think that that's also okay. Like I want to look hot in certain clothing. Like I want to look good and I want to feel good. And I think those two things sometimes go hand in hand, not necessarily in the vein of you have to look this way, right? You have to be skinny and fit and, you know, you're yeah. blonde, but blonde or whatever that, you know. <laughs> I am blonde. I'm so stereotypical. It's disgusting. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess, and that's a huge part of the work that I do with folks as well is you had said it when you, you want to feel good. It's not about the way you look. And I'll share a really interesting story 
Um, in the last couple of years, my weight has fluctuated up or down. I definitely did not feel good. I didn't like the way I felt in my clothes. I was avoiding mirrors. Like I didn't want to look at myself because I didn't like it. And I made some changes. So we talked about briefly menopause hormones. I started taking some supplements to help with my perimenopausal symptoms and it changed it changed everything. I started to feel good. I started to have more energy. I didn't crave a bunch of food that was going to mess with my body chemistry, all of that. And a couple of months ago, I thought, oh, you know, I like what I see in the mirror. Like, look at you, girl. You're about 49 and you look good. I felt good. And I was experiencing more joy in my life. And I had a moment where I thought I should get on the scale and see if I've hit that weight I would like to be. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that because whatever that number is, is going to mean something to me. Either I did good, I lost weight, or you haven't done good enough, you're not there. And what mattered was I felt good and I started having more joy in my life because I felt good. And so in this sort of bite-sized mentor coaching approach that I have with the Spark Collective and my VIP coach on call stuff, it is about how to experience more joy in your life. It doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter what you're doing to get there. When you experience more joy, you show up differently. You show up empowered. You show up ready and engaged. But that is inside work, folks. Nobody can do that for you. I didn't get on the scale. Good for you. I mean, I spent years in fitness and teaching and coaching, functional fitness, boot camps, bar, yoga, personal training, like you name it. I've taught a little bit of it. And there's so much tied into how we think about ourselves physically. And there's a lot of trauma tied into that. There's a lot of stuff, that, especially that women carry about the judgment of their bodies when they were changing, when they were putting on clothes, when they were with their mother, going out to get dresses, things that they couldn't wear, things that they shouldn't wear. Like we've just been told all of these things that affect the way that we interact with our own bodies, the way that we feel about ourselves and the way that we show up in the world. So that's like a whole world of body shaming and feeling embarrassed and having this relationship with weight loss in terms of the marketing of the fitness and health and wellness industry. Like that's a whole other conversation of manipulation and coercion and changing the look and feel of women's bodies to market products. And so we won't go down that path today. That's another podcast. What is It is another podcast, but all of those things that you said, take out the word health or weight and put in entrepreneurship or put in women in business, and it all still applies with how you should do it, how you're supposed to feel about it. How do you know if you're good at it or if you're successful? Y'all, Rewrite the rules. I don't like the rules. I break most of the rules. I think they're dumb. Write the rules that work for you. Obviously, you want to be a good person. You want to be within integrity. You want to have values. You want to follow that moral code. But within that, the rules don't matter. What you get to define what success feels like. You get to define what empowerment feels like. You get to define what is going to be good enough for you, a good foundation to start. It's got to start from inside. Stop looking for everybody else to tell you what that magic formula is. There isn't one. You've got to find your own. And then it might change. So you've got to pay enough attention to know when to shift the formula into a new phase that you are in. Yeah, and I, I love that you say that because 
That's exactly why we started this podcast. Yeah. Like exactly why, um, you know, both of us going on this journey to put ourselves first in our business and had been doing that, wanted to share that with the world. But with that understanding that there's like no prescription for your life. And there are a lot of marketing business podcasts that try to give you a formula. They say, wake up at 5 a.m., eat this for your breakfast, protein only before two. Like they tell you all these things. You know, I think of like the bro marketing stereotypical podcast. And it's like, well, that sounds horrible. I'm not a morning person. I will not be up at 5 a.m. I like carbohydrates. I drink coffee with milk in it. Like, but these are the things that that work for me. And I think I'm successful. So and and actually, I would say there are metrics in my life that would prove to an outsider that I'm also successful. This for me, the foundation of all that comes back to human design because we are so differently designed. And I, you said that I popped over to your chart and I was like, oh, yeah, that tracks because I can look <laughs> at your design and I can see that you're not a routine oriented person. I can say I know I'm skipping ahead, Michelle. Michelle's like, that is not the order we're going in. I can see that you don't want to do the exact same thing at the exact same time every day. Whereas Michelle really likes that routine, right? You're like, oh, I got to get up at the same time. I want to eat kind of the same general thing. I want to be in the same space. The charts tell me that. And my favorite thing about human design is that it has allowed me to be far more curious and more patient with people and to know that there is not one way. There are lots of ways to create. There are lots of ways to solve a problem. There are lots of ways to get your answers. And each of us are so uniquely individual that it's about discovering yourself instead of, well, this person over here that I really like did it like this and I got to do it like that. Learning more about human design is something that I think Joanna and I lean into because we're really curious about really discovering our own personal strengths and really understanding our own personalities. And I feel like the more time that you spend with really getting to know yourself, the more successful you show up in these areas of your lives, right? You start to understand relationships. You start to understand communication. You start to understand the way in which you're meant to live in the world and feel aligned in the world so that you're not questioning yourself so much. I think I've spent so much time questioning, doubting, and not believing in what I bring to the world. And that has, like you said, limited me in so many ways. And it's really put a damper on my ability to grow, my ability to focus, my ability to decide. And so as we've been able to discover more about ourselves, I know, Joanna, you're super into the personality tests as well, but I feel like the more we start to really know about ourselves, the less we have to think we have to learn from those people with a formula. The more that we understand ourselves, the more that we understand our unique qualities, the less we have to look for the step-by-step, not looking to the bro marketers, not looking to the people, the mentors who have run businesses successfully and say, just do this, this, and this, and really know that we can have that kind of fluid approach and also balance. You know, that's really a lot of what this podcast is about as well, is finding that balance, balance within ourselves balance within our lives, balance in our businesses and the brands that we're creating for ourselves because we don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to have that sense of, oh, we just have to put our heads down. We have to do the work and then someday I'm going to get to enjoy it. No, I want to enjoy it right now. Today is the day. Like we want to enjoy this in this very moment and in the moments to come. And yes, maybe that delays success. Maybe not. Who knows? 
I'm going to venture that it doesn't. I think the sooner you lean into that, the quicker you have established success for yourself. I'm just going to go ahead and go all the way in on that. Yeah. And if you look at the metrics, that's one thing that I reflect on as well is that we see a lot of people who have reached maybe a financial level of success or business success. Maybe they go through an exit. Maybe they've reached the multi-millions. Maybe they reach, you know, X, Y, Z but they're incredibly miserable. And they wake up one day and they realize that they've sacrificed years of their life. They've sacrificed all of their relationships. They've sacrificed their health. They've sacrificed their sleep and their state of well-being. And there are certain things about your wellness that you will literally never get back if you compromise them now. So if you are in a place where you want to just get there, you want to be there, you want to drive, you want to do that, know that there are things down the road that you will never be able to replace and you will never be able to get back. And we lost someone recently in our lives and that's been a huge point of reflection for me recently is that what am I doing and in investing my time in now that is going to be continuously valuable to me so that I do not wake up one day and feel like I sacrificed, so that I do not wake up one day and feel like I gave it all away so that I wake up one day and realize, how the hell did I get here? I have all of this money in the bank, but I don't have anyone close to me to share it with or do these things with. So I think there's just a lot of reflection here that someone can do. And I do want to dive into the human design. So just before we get into it, I really want to know a little bit more about your coaching philosophy and specifically how you use human design in working with folks. Thank you for that. And it's a, it's a nice segue. First of all, I'm really sorry for your loss. And I can feel through the computer screen how strongly you feel about this. You can't get it back. I want to soften that blow for folks just a little bit. It's never too late for you to show up for yourself. Never, ever, ever. There is always something you can do to recenter yourself, to support yourself, to show up for yourself. And there are going to be things that you can't change and that you can't get back, but it's not lost. You haven't fucked it up, okay? You can still show up for yourself. And that is a fundamental part of how I work with clients. I do this really differently than almost anybody else I know in the coaching field. And I also have to say to you, when I had that moment when I was transitioning from wedding planning to coaching, I didn't like the word coach. And I spent like a whole year coming up with what could I call myself who <laughs> wouldn't be coaching because coaching felt slimy and dirty and, you know, I don't like that approach. And then I met the man who became my coach, who certified me to be a transformational coach, and he changed my life immediately. And I, I saw him on stage, and I was like, oh, well, he's a coach, and he's not gross, so I could I can do that. Um, but I'm back to switching. You heard me say the coach and mentor, kind of moving away from giving people a, a how-to into helping you understand why and how to for yourself. I'm not here to tell people what to do. I'm here to help you discover the answers inside of yourself. Because that is what sticks. That is so much more profound when you are your source of awareness. When you listen to yourself, when you know yourself, when you trust yourself, when you have confidence in yourself, that's where the real transformation happens. And as a projector in human design, which I will explain later, as somebody who's uh, undiagnosed ADHD, but I can tell you for sure that I have it. I have kids that have it too. In this fast-paced society where there's everybody's got shit going on, we hate the word busy, but look, we are busy. 
it just is what it is. I don't want to be tethered to my computer. I don't want to be tethered. I don't want a long webinar. I want things when I want them and I want them in bite-sized content. And so I have restructured my entire business to support people like me who want to like, love, and trust themselves when they want to. You want to pump yourself up before you're going to go on stage or you've got to make some sales calls. You want to love yourself because it's been a hard day. You are in the bathtub and you just want to find some peace and calming. So through my Spark channel, the Spark Collective, that's exactly what we do. It's an $8 a month membership and I give content drops using all of my modalities, human design, NLP, positive psychology, success coaching, um, EFT tapping. There's more coming because I'm always learning. And they're just bite-sized, like less than 15, 10, 15 minutes for you to do the thing for yourself, to show up for yourself in five or 10 minutes a day. Even if you just do that two or three days a week, you're going to start to shift that narrative for yourself. Even my higher end coaching is a coach on call platform, one one-on-one call a month because everybody's schedule is busy and the rest is coach on call through the Telegram app because I want to support you when you need it. And I want to help you trust yourself. I want to help you understand yourself. We do that, all of that reflective work. There's a lot of accountability there. We got to show up and do the thing, right? We can't just talk about the thing. We got to do the thing. But in a way that's really you-centered, that's joy-centered, you get to define your own success. Sometimes we got to have those hard conversations, call yourself on that bullshit, but just building that foundation of worthiness and trust within yourself. I don't even know if I answered that question well, but it's so important to me that it be accessible, that it be bite-sized, that it be when you need it and where you need it instead of forcing you into those confines that you find in so many places where, well, it's once a week for an hour or it's every other week for an hour or whatever it is. It just doesn't work for me. So as we head into the next phase of this, you have kindly offered to read Mind and Joanna's charts. But could you just give us a brief overview of really what human design is and what can someone can expect from it and why it's so important? A couple of years ago, I was a speaker at the She Podcast Conference. I don't know if y'all do She Podcast, but shout out to Jess over at She Podcast. And one of my friends just happened to mention human design. I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. She's like, what? You're going to love this. And so then I got curious and I went on Instagram and I was checking it out. And what human design is, is a foundational way to expand yourself, to really understand yourself. It is the combination of several different ancient philosophies, the Chinese I Ching, Kabbalah, Buddhism, quantum physics, astrology, and the chakra system. And through your birth date, birth time, and birth location, I can tell you things about you that I shouldn't know. Like I just told you that you don't like routines and schedules or that Michelle does like routines and schedules. And again, this is a foundation for expansion. There's nothing in human design for you to change or fix because it is just who you are. It is how you are made. And so when we can know those things about ourselves, we begin to be able to work with them instead of constantly pushing against them. And society tells us, we've talked about this the whole time we've been on together, that you're supposed to do it one way. You're supposed to do it like this. And if you don't do it like this, you're bad or you're wrong, and it's just not true. So you get to do it the way you want. And with human design, I help people do that. And I will not coach somebody without knowing their human design type because it informs me how to ask questions for you to really understand yourself, to understand 
to get to those answers, to get to your problem solving, to make decisions, um, because we all do it. So I'm really excited. I know that I've looked at human design before, but for some reason I have this tendency to like look at something and be really interested into it and then it goes away and then I never think about it again. So I'm hoping that the assessment of personality and looking at human design is something that I can start to integrate on a more consistent basis. So you've kindly offered to, again, be able to review mine and Joanna's charts and give us just a very brief assessment. Now we know that this process is much more in depth and anyone that you work with is gonna get a much deeper look into how human design affects their choices, their lives and, and everything about that. But let's go into a little brief overview and I don't know if it's helpful for you to start either with Joanna or just myself or just go into it. Dive right in. I've been thinking about how to best do it. I've never done this live and I love that in the prep, we talked about, like, well, we can we can bring it in and we can kind of explore it. Because as you have already discovered, I can't not bring it into the conversation. Like, it's just not possible. There are, I want to say quickly, first of all, when I do custom human design readings, I spend hours creating them and we spend two hours live. And it took me a full year to get certified in it. So there is a lot of content. So we're just like the very tip of the iceberg today. But the first thing to know is that um, on a very basic level, there are five different types in human design, a manifester, a generator, manifesting generator, projector, and reflector. And I very quickly want to explain what each of those are, and then I can talk about your charts. So manifestors are inventors. They're instigators. They are here. They come up with ideas that no one has ever thought of before, and they are here to drop that information like it's hot and walk away. They're not the doers. They're not the finishers. They are the idea people. And who they're dropping that information to are the generators and the manifesting generators. Those are the folks who are here to go, oh, I see that problem. I can fix it. Oh, I see that need. I can build it. Amazing, amazing human beings. And lately I have been hearing from people all across, clients and everyone like, oh, well, I'm just a generator. Like there's none of that just a generator. Generators get all the shit done in the world. They're amazing. And, the, and they have a motor, right? They go and go. And there's one caveat, as long as what they're saying yes to is a hell yes. We'll get into that in a minute. And then projectors, which is what I am. And projectors are, we are non-motored beings. We are required to rest before we're successful. Talk about turning all of the stuff we talked about earlier on its ass. Like all of that hustle, all of that, you got to do it this way. I make more money and I am a happier person and a more successful person when the first thing I prioritize is rest. That was game changing for me because I've always done it, but I always gave myself shit for it. I always beat myself up for it. Those are my like the core of my limiting voices are all around. that, And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be that way. Projectors are here to guide and lead. We are literally here to guide and lead. We need to be invited into the conversation. And then once we're invited, so we love to give unsolicited advice, but nobody wants to hear it. So once we're invited in, we help people change their lives. It's literally what I do. On top of that, we have channels in human design and they tell you what your sort of your dharmic gifts are. And mine is specifically talking about embracing your fear and doing the hard things. And I'm like, that's what we do. That's amazing. And then reflectors are mirrors. They are literally here to help people see themselves. It just, it's, they're very rare. About 1% of the global population is a reflector. Do you, either of you know your type? Have you already looked or do you remember? So I actually texted Michelle last night. And it was like, I don't know, do I look it up first or do I be surprised? 
she said, be surprised. So I said, okay, okay. I will be surprised. I have a feeling based okay. on, I won't tell you what, my feeling. Uh, no, I want to hear it. What do you like, think you are? Well, like, I, I mean, Michelle knows what I, I mean. Michelle would guess, like, I'm probably a generator. Okay. Like, that would be my guess. Maybe a manifesting generator. Okay. But that would be my guess. Okay. If I'm not, I'll be surprised. <laughs> what about you, Michelle? So I have done human design before, but again, it kind of is like in one ear, out the other. I don't know why I can't retain those things. I thought that I was something like a manifesting generator, but I'm unsure. I think that also over the evolution of our lives, sometimes we're suppressing things and sometimes we're masking things and sometimes we're not actually acknowledging like who we are at our core because we've spent so much time trying to fit our environment or to try to meet other people's needs. So I think that with things like personality tests, as you're listening, you've got to decide for yourself, you know, what am I going to take in right now? How is it going to serve me? And over the course of time, how is this going to actually contribute maybe later in my life when I've uncovered something else about myself? Absolutely. And I will go on record as saying that human design really is not a personality test because it's not you answering questions. And I think it was very cute. You're both close, but reverse it. So, uh, Joanna, you are a manifesting generator. Okay. And Michelle, you are a generator. Both of you are, an, you're an emotional generator, Michelle, and Joanna, you're an emotional manifesting generator. I can briefly explain what that is. What I love about that is I think I would have thought opposite for both of you. So it's always a little bit fascinating. I usually get pretty darn close. The difference in the two is a manifesting generator is a generator. You're like 80% generator. 20% of you has the manifester in you. What sets the two apart? is that manifesting generators are naturally multi-passionate. You are designed to try things and explore things and you do them until you get what you need from it and then walk away. You get to change your mind. My youngest daughter is a man-gen. And she sometimes, and I'm curious, maybe when you were younger, she doesn't like to start anything because she is afraid she's going to be stuck. I'm going oh, to have to keep doing it because manifesting generators aren't supposed to finish everything they start. Get in and play and explore and you build this toolbox of resources and you just never know when you're going to go, oh, I can do that. I can do that. I know that. I've got the answer to that. And being able to change your mind, giving yourself permission to change your mind, to me has been the freedom key for all of my man gen clients. They're like, oh, I'm so used to people telling me, just pick something and stick with it. Or why are you always changing your mind? And that's just the way you're supposed to be. How does that resonate with you, Joanna? So I had this boyfriend once. <laughs> Any good conversation starts with this. So I grew up in a very religious household, and that's important to this story because my first, my first real boyfriend, I was actually like 18, so it's quite age because you don't, you don't date unless you're going to marry that person in the world that I grew up in. And about three months in, I knew I didn't like him. And I felt so stuck. I was like, shit. I mean, obviously I didn't say shit because I was a good religious girl. So I didn't say that then. But I was like, shit, what do I do? I don't like him. And I was like, but I'm stuck here. I'm going to have to marry him and have his chill. Like, I remember this feeling. And so I just sort of like ignored him a little bit until he broke up with me because I didn't feel like I could do that. So eventually he was like, you need to spend more time with me. And I'm like, I'm too busy. This is all I have. This isn't enough for you. Sorry. So like that stuck feeling I totally relate to. And I definitely have like left jobs 
because I felt stuck and I didn't know how to like change what I was doing without just like peace. And but guess what? You can peace out. You, I'm telling you, you get to do that. Um, and the idea for Amanda is is to be trying, trying new things, exploring new things. And here's where there's overlap between both of you is you both have your sacral lit up. Now, this is not your authority. I'm going to try and explain that in this short amount of time we have together. You both have emotional authority, which is your decision-making process. But your sacral is the absolute direct connection to your own inner knowing. For the two of you, it's a hell yes or it's a fuck no. There's no maybe. If you catch yourself in a maybe zone, it is because you either don't want to disappoint somebody else or you'd really like it to be a yes, but something has to change to get you there. The work that I do with people is to actually physically understand what your hell yes and your fuck no feel like, like in your body. Some of my, well, let me ask either of you, when was the last time that you were like, hell yes, I want that? Can you identify that? I feel like for me, it's been a while. I think I've been really detached from my emotional intuitive side, which is something I'm trying to kind of rediscover. Yeah. What about you, Joanna? Can you recall a Oh, I, I mean, starting my business, okay. right? So, and in my experience, I have a business partner and we kind of came up with this idea together and I was like, hell yeah, that sounds cool. Like, I want to do that. And actually what's interesting when I think about my business is we have lots of clients, lots of projects we're working on. One of the really fun things for me is that there are lots of starts and stops, right? So my business is one long thing, right? That, that I said hell yes to. But there's all of these people coming in and out of my life, all these different topics, all of these different people. And I love that. I love like, okay, you have a course, you have a program. It's a certain topic, a certain project. Let's get you what you need. And then let's get someone else what they need and someone else what they need. That fully tracks because that's the multi-passionate. Like you want to try something new what I would coach you through or help you do or you want to do on your own is sort of learn what that hell yes feels like. So I've had clients who say it feels like an opening in their chest, like, oh, yes. And I've had clients say who it feels like butterflies. And I've had clients say who it feels like this overwhelming sense of calm. Like, I just feel so settled. I know that's a yes. Then you want to learn what your fuck no feels like. No. Like, what? It, where is that? The back of your neck? Is it a, a conclave? Your chest goes in like, oh, God, I don't, that's no. You know, what does that feel like? The goal is really to make decisions with your body and not your mind because minds are super manipulatable, right? What society tells you, what your parents tell you, what your spouse tells you, what your mentors tell you, we get all in that. But your body knows what's right for you. True for everybody. It doesn't matter what your type is, how you will connect with that intuition is different based on your type. But for both of you, first you have the 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 hell yes or fuck no. And then you have an emotional authority, which means you both have what we call emotional waves. Neither of you are designed to take big action quickly. Your hell yes or fuck no could tell you whether or not you want to go to this restaurant or go to this networking event. And you can play with that. Y'all do that. The more you can ask yourself yes or no questions and have the people around you ask you yes or no questions, you are going to be amazed at how you're all of a sudden not indecisive. Would both of you say that maybe you're a little indecisive? 
I feel like I'm super indecisive. I'm actually having this conversation a lot with my husband right now because we're launching this physical product business. And so I've always seen myself as like big picture strategy, but then we're ordering like tissue paper and tape and packaging materials. I am procrastinating and wishy-washy on making those decisions because I feel like, I guess I feel like they're not important. If you go through those little decisions, do I want this one? Yes or no? you're going to amaze yourself. It's going to change your life. Yes or no. Don't be like, well, is it this one or is it this one or is it that one? Or would we want this color? Do you want to? No, just do I want this one? Yes or no. You will know and it will change your life. I promise you. With emotional authority. So you've got that inner. Use that quickly to make decisions that aren't really in the grand scheme of things that big of a deal. For things that are really a big deal, your yes or no tells you if you're curious enough to explore it. And then we have what's called the emotional wave. And you guys both have very different emotional waves, but processes that you go through to discover whether or not this is the thing for you or not. So your sacral, your yes, tells you, I want to know more. I'm going to go down this path. And then I could tell you if we had more time and if we were doing a private reading, I could tell you exactly what your process is, what your emotional wave is to make a concrete decision and feel good about it. It's interesting because people who have an emotional authority, it means your emotional solar plexus is lit up. It's very counterintuitive. You would think that that makes you deeply empathic and you probably both feel that you are empathic, that you're a really good listener, that you feel what other people are are doing and you, you respond to that. And you do, but what you don't do is confuse other people's feelings with your own. You are able to see clearly. You can be empathetic. But you don't go, oh, I hurt because she's hurting, right? You can go, oh, that's her hurt. I can recognize that hurt, but I don't feel that. Those of us who have an undefined emotional solar plexus, we absorb other people's feelings. And I have to go, why am I crying in the middle of the grocery store? What is wrong? I was fine five minutes ago. Why am I crying? And I'm like, oh, that woman behind me is really sad and I'm feeling her sad and I have to separate myself from it. So it's a really interesting journey. To minimize, just to pull out a couple of highlights. So that is true for both of you. Like I said before, Joanna, you are, you don't, the routines are not for you. Play and explore. You can have a toolbox. I do. I have the same, um, they call them variables. You can have a toolbox of whether you're going to get up and eat one of your five favorite things, or if you're going to do an EFT tapping or meditation, you're going to go for a walk, or you can have all sorts of resources and you go, which one do I want today? What feels good to me today? What how do I want to set up my day? You can play it by ear. Whereas Michelle, girl, you like structure. You're like, mm, I want to know what's happening. I want to be aware. I want to plan it. My, my partner has a, um, a left-facing upper left arrow variable. And she could eat the same thing at the exact same time every day for six months. And then she gets tired of it. And then she switches it. And I'm like, how do you do that? Michelle, you have a pretty defined chart. Both of you know your purpose. You know your goals. You know exactly where you're going. That's clear. And you both have a defined throat, which makes sense in podcasting, which means you are here to talk about what you know and people will listen. They can't help it. The throat is where we manifest from. So you speak it into existence. And of course, that's what that's what you do, right? It's beautiful. So you can see that. You have consistent access to getting your message across clearly which is really nice. And then Joanna, you have a defined heart slash will center, which is very rare. Only about 35% of the people in the whole world have it. You have this magical ability to decide you're going to do something and then just do it. 
Oh, yeah. And the rest of us are like, how the fuck did you just do that? Everybody else is like, what? How did you do that? That's very true. You know, this is like totally, this is not really the same thing. Because we're talking about business, right? But like, I didn't think I wanted kids. Like me and my husband, we were married for a very long time before we had children. And we were like, we should have a kid. I was pregnant two weeks later. And that's not to speak to, obviously, people struggle getting pregnant. It's not their fault or anything like that. But it was like we decided we were having a kid. The first possible chance I could have gotten pregnant, I did. And then I decided I didn't want to have any more kids. And I have not gotten pregnant since. So, like, you know, it just decided it was happening and it was there. Yep. The mind is a powerful thing. I can also tell you quickly. So, Michelle... Your chart tells me that your best environment is shores. You want to be near water. You want to be on a horizon of something. You can create that if you want. If you aren't actively near it, you can make a shoreline. You can have like even a cup of water in front of you, like something where there's a bit of a of a shift, which is, I think, so cool. Mine is kitchens. And what kitchens means is you want to be where the activity is, where things are being cooked up and created. So I go and work in a coffee shop and I get lit up, like that kind of thing. And um, Joanna, yours is mountains, which means you want to be up high. You want to have a perspective. So for both of you, if you find yourself struggling to make a decision or you're just feeling out of sorts, if you go to this environment, so you could go, Joanna, to a rooftop deck. Go to the top of a building. You want to be able to see out high from high perspective. You can actually be in the mountains or you can create a mountain-like experience. You will tap into your knowing and your creativity more quickly by being in your best environment. And that's just like, there's so much more. And if you guys have specific questions, I'm happy to answer them. But those are just some highlights. I can see how this can be so incredibly helpful for business owners, right? Really, again, understanding yourself, understanding your decision-making process, understanding where you act the best or where you work the best, you know, finding that environment, finding that space and figuring out what your strengths are and where you can show up as a leader or as an organizer or as a manager or wherever that looks like for you. So I think Being able to learn more about this is really fascinating, and now I'm very curious to really learn more. I do have one question. As someone who feels like I start and stop, like I feel like over the course of my business career, I have a tendency to not successfully like follow things through to fruition, or I I get like 80% through and then the 20% finalizing is really challenging for me. Or I look back and I see like, okay, well, I created this project, I created this program, I created this thing, but I really didn't sell it very well and I didn't launch it very well and I didn't launch it over and over and over again. Is that any way related to human design? What I think that is based on my experience and my training is you saying yes to things that are no's. You did it because you thought you should or you thought you had to or somebody told you you should try it and it wasn't the thing that you inherently believed in and wanted to do. And because you're a generator, you're going to go. You're going to say yes. You're going to go and go. Generators can go and go and go and go and never get tired. So can mansions that that part is the same as long as what you're saying yes to is a hell yes. So if you aren't putting your whole self into it, it's because you're doing something that you don't believe in, that you're not all the way sold on. And so that initial yes or no is absolutely paramount. And I'll bet you, you could go through all of those things. And if you just ask yourself yes or no, was I really into that? Did I really love that? You'll, you'll see 
And then you pull yourself too thin. You've got, you're trying too many things. You're trying to please too many people, do something other people told you, well, this may change my business and you give it a try. And then you just wear yourself out and then you don't believe in yourself. So there's the snowball. You don't trust yourself. Oh, I never follow through or whatever. We start to tell stories that become our truth because whatever you believe to be true is going to be true for you one way or the other. And then you build that foundation of not trusting yourself. Again, that is literally the foundation of all of the work that I do is helping people build that foundation of trust themselves and unwire, decondition, all that bullshit. So how does that resonate with you? It makes a lot of sense. It's kind of that perspective of having done a lot of courses, watched a lot of people, tried to find mentors and coaches and paid for services and done a lot of things that were, this is should work. This is how it should happen. This is what's worked for me before. You know, all of those things and just feeling like I need to fit into that, which is funny because, you know, I hate to say this out loud. I mean, it's fine. My husband is so right all of the time and I love him and we have such a great partnership. But this is one thing that he has brought up for me a lot, actually, is I've tried to follow someone else's formula, you know, and I've done the work and I've done the steps and follow the process and he will bring up to me he's like well just because it worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you and you keep trying to find the system or the process or something outside of yourself in order to make it work and it i feel like it hasn't and so this is it's all sinking in and starting you gotta to bring it home to now. yourself yeah yeah and when you think about we've michelle and i talk a lot about the start of our podcast and like how all of this happened and came to be a lot And this was initially Michelle's idea. And it took me time to say, yeah, like Mm -hmm. it took me some time to say yes. But then I said yes. And like I was all in. And Michelle, you always say the only reason like we're still doing it is because you have me because we have that partnership to push you along. But I think that you just love doing this. You know what I mean? Like, I think you love it. Well, of course I love it. It's not just me. I know I do. I love doing it. But the difficult thing is, is that I feel like, and again, I don't know how this plays in with human design, is I want to record. I want to be here. I want to interview. I love having our guests on. I love this process. But when it comes to the actual execution and the maintenance and the consistency and the continuation. Yeah. The chart tells me that. <laughs> yeah, I really I really struggle with that. And you can look back and like if you look at my YouTube, I've got a few videos on there and then it yeah. just petered out. And then you look at this and it petered out. And it, so it's really maybe this is something that I really, really care about. And so it is important for me to maintain and, yeah. and continue. Yeah. So there are a couple of things that both of you said we can pull out of there that are really fascinating. One is Michelle had already decided this is a hell yes for her. She's curious. She wants to do it. She invited you in. And you were a yes enough to think about it. You're like, that's not a no. Okay, let's explore. And then when you were in, you were all in. That makes perfect sense. And then it's you, you have that defined will center, that ability to get shit done. That's magical that the rest of us are mind blown at. And when you have an open center, you absorb and amplify somebody else's energies in those particular areas. So together, you guys are a powerhouse. You complement each other. You bring out the things in one another. So for example, Michelle, you have a defined root and you do not, Joanna. I do not have a defined root. Those of us without a defined root cannot handle pressure. We do not like pressure. We want to get it done right now. I want to solve it right now. I need to know. Now, somebody called you and said, um, hey, Joanna, I really want to talk to you. Can we get a call on the schedule? You'd be like, I'm free right now. I need to know what you need. Right? Yes? Yeah, totally. Yep. 
And because we don't like the pressure, we can't handle the pressure. We want to unpressure ourselves with a defined route. Michelle, you do great with last minute stuff. You're great under the gun. You want something done last minute. You ask somebody with a defined route to do it. You are good with pressure. I can handle that, right? So you complement each other and you support one another. That makes perfect sense to me that you're a good partnership with that. And so in a, a more detailed custom human design reading, we can even do companion charts, right? And we can see how you work together. I have a client right now who we're doing them for her kids. You can, you should parent your different children differently based on their human design because a projector child versus a manifesting generator child, they're all very different. I have three different human design types out of my four kids. Very, very different. And I will say, if it's okay, right now when when this comes out for the holiday sale, we're giving I'm giving a hundred dollars off of a custom human design reading. So if you're like excited about this and into it, come and get one because they are so much fun to do. I love, love, love seeing, going through into the weeds with it and seeing people get lit up and get excited and your dharmic strengths, what you're here to talk about, where you should sell from as an entrepreneur, like what's the thing that people are looking for from you? How do, what do you bring to the table? I can tell you all that in your chart. This is really interesting to talk about. And one thing for me, and, and we won't go down this road, but I have quite the childhood and past and spent a lot of time like being what I needed be to survive. Yeah. You're not the only one. Yeah. I know. There's a lot of us in that boat. And I really have, you know, the past couple of years gone on this journey to think about who I am, who I actually want to be, not just who I had to be. Right. And so for me, things like this, and I'm definitely going to do more research because this was so interesting. I think it's really helpful to understand yourself. But then these tools are also really great to understand other people as well. All of that together, I think, is really, really helpful. And the more I understand other people, the more I understand myself and all of those things that happens. But in this journey that I've gone on to really discover what who it is I am and what is it I want in life, sometimes like the end of the day when the day hasn't gone well or something, I just sit and like, why am I the way I am? And do feel like that I need to be fixed. Why am I like this? Like, why can't I be different? But I just can't. Like, and then I'm like, I can't be different. Probably one of the reasons I had to be an entrepreneur because I would be in these work situations where I was like, I can't not care about this project. But if I keep caring about this project, I will lose my mind, right? Like, like because it's not working. But I love that you said that. So we promised all the listeners at the very beginning that I was going to tell you how there's nothing to fix. And that's the point. You can't not be who you are. So you can spend your whole life fighting it and trying to be something that you're not and be miserable and make all the people around you miserable. Or you can really discover yourself. You can really belong to yourself and understand yourself and then approach things differently in a way that works for you, that gets you the results that you want. Because once you know yourself, you shift how you show up into conversations, into rooms, into projects, and you can set it up in a way that you will be more successful. There's nothing to change. I mean, anyway, outside of human design, you are just right. You are just the way you are supposed to be. Work with that. All sorts of neuroscience stuff will tell you, don't try to get better at the things you suck at. Use the things you're great at to be great at all of the things you need to do, right? That's huge, huge, huge game-changing information. And with human design, you just get to know yourself a little bit better. But we do that, you know, in the Spark Collective, we do that through EFT tapping meditations or, you know, 
quick win mini courses or all sorts of different things that just help you remember to set it up your way, to use what you have to your advantage because you're not broken. There's nothing to fix about you. You just want to work with yourself. And recognizing that all of those things are not good or bad. The traits that we're bringing up, there's no good or bad. There's no better. There's no best. There's no differentiating factor on levels. It's just what they are. And I think the more that I realize and recognize that and the more that I actually own that and internalize that there is no good, no bad, no wrong, no right in what it is that we're doing and how we show up in the world, that's when I can step more into that ownership. That's when I can become the person that I envision myself to be as a personal brand, as a business, and really represent myself more fully and be of value in some way is when I can just acknowledge that every single part of me, no matter what that looks like, every trait that I have is not distinguishable between good or bad or right or wrong. So as you're listening, kind of starting to think about those things and reflecting for yourself. So we're about to wrap up here. Thank you so much, Heather, for joining us. So wonderful to cover this human design and really understand what it means for each of us. So Heather, you mentioned a special. So I want to learn where can people hang out with you? Where can they find you? How can they reach you? Thank you. This has been so much fun. We could obviously just keep talking, but you know, attention spans and all that. First of all, I want to tell you all that I'm I'm just me. I do have a support team, but if you see me online, it's really me. I want to connect with you. And you can actually get a link to all of my stuff by going to vickeryandco.com slash social. That'll take it's it's my link tree, but it's on my website. So it'll take you to all I'm I'm very active on Instagram. You can find all of the good stuff. And I did mention that for the holidays, and I break all the rules. So I'm like, a one day flash sale is annoying to me. So, six weeks, all of this is available. Book your human design session and save $100. But also, I'd like to offer you guys something really special that I'm not offering to everybody else, if that's okay. If you're interested in the Spark Collective, which is my membership community, which is just so joy filled and bite sized and easy. And you can jump in when and where you want with no pressure. It's $8 a month, which is super, super cheap. But I'd like to give you guys 20% off. If you use code her first, then you can get it for 20% off. For less than a fancy coffee, you can get easy, easy, approachable bite sized ways to support yourself to show up for yourself to come home to yourself. And we can have a good time together. So you guys can save 20%. Use code her first, get your custom human design reading, connect with me on Instagram, and let's just get to know each other. Thank you so much, Heather. And as a listener, please go find that support, get those resources. It will only help you better understand you, how you show up in your life, and how you show up in your business. And at her first, that's what we're all about, prioritizing you in business and life, and how can you balance between those two. And today, just as kind of to wrap up, we talked a lot about personality and and how we are in the world. And one of the things that I actually want to highlight, Heather, that you mentioned is taking your membership and your work and your content and your business and really formatting it in a way to meet people where they are. And so that's what I kind of want to pull out from today is as you're creating your content for your business, as you're creating your products, your programs, your services, sometimes we do that in isolation and with a narrow lens or a narrow mindset. So how can you think a little bit larger than that? And how can you kind of consider the ways in which you want to meet people where they are and think about their different personalities, their different traits, their different human design so that you can bridge the gap and not work in the isolation? Thank you so much, Heather, for being with us today. 
I know I learned a lot um, and feel like inspired and like ready to go. I can imagine the way your coaching clients feel like after spending time with you and having access to you. I feel like you have really something special to bring into the world. And I'm just honored that you came and talked to us for the hour and we're at an hour and 22 minutes. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. You both are just fantastic. Great energy. I'm really, really excited to continue the relationship. It was a joy. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, share, and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to catch our next episode. What is one thing you can do today to prioritize you in business and life?